From the banks of Dewey Lake, it's the Dewey Pod Monster. All right, welcome back. My name is John, and this is the Dewey Pod Monster Podcast. This is your weekly podcast about consumption and other junk. With me this week is the man who is a gigantic fan of the International Pale Lager. His name is Sean. He's the authority on Michigan craft beer. Sean, how are you doing today? International P- Pale Lagers are my life. IPLs. They're pretty good. I do them all day. Good. How are you doing? Are you ready to kill Aldi's yet? No. No. You know, it's funny because it gets kind of, I don't want to say it gets better because it just kind of stays status quo, but I think I've I've made a had a turning point like i understand what this we're talking about the the beer advent calendar from aldi i understand what i understand what it is now like i've i have clarity and i've said it i've said it the whole thing the whole series this is a craft beer advent calendar it's 24 different beers for people who just don't know about craft beer they're not trying to do anything crazy which i thought was like i'm kind of like man i hope i get this everything's on the back and just to make it clear, I have not looked at the back to see what's in the box. But, you know, it's like it's a German Pilsner. There's a, I don't know, Amber Ale. Just like straight, traditional, no frills, nothing exciting. The biggest thing have been the IPAs. That you had that different. one sour, but aside from that, it seems like they've just taken all the like tier one beers and like check, 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 check and kind of going down the line. Yeah, they're not anything to write home about but i think i don't think that's what they're going for and i think the whole time i'm kind of thinking getting a little aggravated that they're not really pushing the envelope on it it's just continually this traditional beer after traditional beer after traditional beer like when i went i think the first time i saw like a belgian style wheat Mm -hmm. or whatever i was like oh this is what we're doing you know we're or the IPA. It's like there's a American IPA, which tasted like a watered down two hearted. And then it was, you know, now we have a, this kind of IPA. I think there have been like five IPA so far. So nothing exciting. It's just it is what it is. So I've been watching along and the only one that I've seen that I've really been like, OK, I'd drink that would be the Bach that you opened. Mm-hmm. The rest of them all seem kind of run of the mill. Yeah, they're just, you know, I'm a sucker for a good Bach even or halfway decent Bach to use one of your phrases it's right down home plate like everything has just mm. been super safe and i think at first i think have, having that kalia box for those two years the last two years the kalia advent calendar from costco and then being so german focused and such you know lagers everything was a lager there was like one ipa there's may i think there was maybe a stout each year i was just expecting or hoping that this that this specific aldi box would be a little bit more exciting but i mean it is what it is and there's I'll just move on to something else. I'm not probably going to pick it up again. Well, you're making a box next year, but there's one at Total Wine that they do. It's Well, I don't know if they do it, but it's Mobcraft, and I've never heard of Mobcraft outside of this, so I don't know what the hell <laughs> that is, but maybe that's an exciting one. I think you know, it'd be nice to be able to get in on one of those Bells ones or maybe even right. Founders ones that they do, but I'm not going to go pay 100 bucks for one of those. It's not worth it to me. I mean, I might end up spending it 100 bucks making one for you, but I'll do it over the course of like a month or something like that to really go out of left field what have you been catching up on this week anything worth talking about i don't really think there is i've been thinking about it you know the more i come down here and kind of getting over this whole back thing right and i'm not sitting in my recliner so much i'm actually sitting at my pc or my pc is where i consume 
90% of my media. So it's, you know, cause that's just a website. And I just find myself sitting here at the end of the night after my kids are in bed or whatever. And I'm like, what am I going to watch today? You know, what am I going to watch tonight? And there's things that I want to watch. And I just end up watching three or four YouTube videos and just like calling it a night. Maybe something I want to know about or some creator that I follow that I just want to see their new video or whatever. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I don't know. There's I fall on YouTube rabbit holes on like a semi-regular basis. So I get that. So it's also this weird time of year. So I don't know when we're going to actually put this episode out, but we're just before Christmas right now when we're recording this. And it's kind of this weird, like there's a lot of football on right now. So I'm kind of paying attention to that. There's obviously a lot of Christmas movies on right now, which I'm half paying attention to, half trying to avoid. And then for whatever reason, just the holiday season, you know, it just, for me, it just drains the shit out of me. There's a lot of nights where I get home and I just stare at the wall like an idiot and don't really do much of anything. There's a Amazon Prime show that I have on my, I added to my watch list, The Peripheral with Chloe Grace Moritz. It's on Amazon Prime. It's like, uh, I think... Basically, what I got out of the gist of the trailer was that you go into VR and you think it's a game and it ends up being like another world that is actually like a real thing. It seems interesting. It's it's from William Gibson or it might be based on a story or a book that William Gibson wrote. So it has all those cyberpunk kind of, you know, techno whatever kind of themes that I enjoy stuff like that. Maybe it'll be it'll maybe it'll turn out like Existence from Cronenberg. That would be pretty cool if it was like an Existence kind of deal. I don't know if, you, if you've ever seen that or not. If it's Cronenberg, I have an idea of what I'd be in for, but I don't think <laughs> I've seen that. If it makes you feel better, I didn't have much else that I watched that was better. I, I did watch the Saturday Night Live Christmas special where they just kind of play some of the old stuff, which I will watch some of the old clips like with the Ackroyd and you know those types of guys yeah. whenever. And then the only other thing I actually sat down and watched, and I have no idea why I sat down and watched this, was some fucking thing on Tubi called Grand Theft Auto Murder City, which was essentially a reenactment of Grand Theft Auto, but it was supposed to be shot in the style of a documentary based in Detroit. And it's Uh, just as terrible as it sounds. I mean, it sounds amazing. Depends how you define amazing. Yes, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's... You mentioned, I think it was last week or, you know, maybe a couple of weeks ago, again, depending on when we put this episode up, doing all Z-grade movie March. I don't know if I want to watch this again, but this would definitely be in that Z-grade tier as far as what kind of movie we're talking about. So, Well, I feel like we started that Z-grade crummy movie March in January, whenever this goes out, I guess. This is a nice preview. These are the kinds of movies I have in mind, like what we're going to be talking about today. After watching Grand Theft Auto Murder City, I, I don't know if I could put this this movie today on Z tier. I think this is at least a, like C or D in comparison to Grand Theft Auto Murder City. Well, then I don't feel too bad about putting you through this. Oh, you shouldn't. So what I was subjected to this week, as far as for this show, what I do for, for you, the ever-loving five people in the audience. Today, we're talking about the movie Deadly Prey. Yes, that is a movie. It, the poster for this movie looks like a video game box from the original NES, but this is a action thriller movie from 1987. When we see a movie that comes in under an hour and a half, it instantly starts at a five. This movie really tests that theory. Oh, wow. Do you want to go over the synopsis on this or you want me to hit it? No, I'll just do the quick, the, the, 
the quick and dirty from IMDb. We'll just go off the top line. So their synopsis is a group of sadistic mercenaries kidnap people off the streets and set them loose on the grounds of their secret camp. So the, quote, students, end quote, at the camp can learn how to track down and kill their prey. This isn't in this synopsis, but unfortunately, they picked the wrong guy. They picked Mike Danton. And we find out through the movie that Mike Danton is some kind of elite former soldier who was trained in guerrilla tactics that the colonel or the leader of this mercenary group actually trained at one point. Spoiler alert. I should give the spoiler alert after I give the spoiler, but, you know, just how it worked out. Who cares? I don't think anyone cares. (laughs) I think everybody that's going to watch this is going to care because guess what? It's available to rent on Amazon for $1.99. That's $1.99 extremely well spent. I would rent it twice. So where where do we even want to start unpacking this thing? Did you notice that every single person in this fucking movie, with the exception of the Colonel Side Chick character, looks like some version of Patrick Swayze? I think that's a that's a subjective thing. I didn't really get that, but I could see where you're coming from. It's a mix of the hair, the like A shirts, the like I'm buffed up, but not quite like Schwarzenegger buffed up, like Swayze buffed up. Thinking like Roadhouse Swayze. Yeah, they all but are. But with different of, hairstyles. Yeah, or colors or, you know, yeah, some shorter hair. Yeah, but they all have that kind of look. Definitely have that look. Yeah, it's like, a, I don't know. It, it's, I don't know if it was costume design or this just happened to be all the guys that got to fake fight for however long it took them to shoot this thing. But there was definitely a Swayze mandate on set. I think that we should start with how the movie starts. And it's perfect. It starts with an amazing weapon montage of all the different weapons getting loaded the knives getting put in the sheath the guns getting holstered that's you know this it's going to be a blockbuster when you see a movie start with a weapon montage i get the feeling that they thought this was going to be a blockbuster i don't think that's how it turned out to give a little bit of background the director of this movie is david a Pryor. he wrote the movie as well this movie is basically a take on most dangerous game the short story of the most dangerous game, which basically is about hunters hunting human prey because it's the ultimate prey. And when you watch this movie, you can, you can definitely tell that it was remade into the surviving the game movie with ice T except he's hunted by, you know, rich Gary Busey and industrials. Yeah. Yeah. What's that? The guy that was in scrubs as the doctor. That's the asshole doctor, which I can never remember his name, but he's in survive surviving the game. I'm joking. Surviving the Game is not a remake of this, but... It, 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 I, you know, it's funny you said that, because I actually got... I was watching this, I was like, this reminds me of that stupid movie with Ice-T and Skiing <laughs> Hunted or whatever. I had to look it up because of that, but I digress. Yeah, so basically, they, they're... The movie starts with them kidnapping... Well, they didn't kid... This guy running in the in the thicket, and he's kind of... Sh- you know, he's all... His, his clothes are all ripped up, and he's getting uh, chased through the through the through this forest type area and he gets hunted down. So they need a new person and they figure that the best way to train these mercenaries to go to some elite mission, they don't ever mention what it is, but they kidnap just random people off the street. And we meet our hero, Mike Danton. He's waking up on his waterbed and his wife comes to wake (laughs) him up to tell him to take out the garbage. And as he takes out the garbage in his cutoff jeans and I don't know, like a t-shirt or something, he gets hit on the side of the head and they kidnap him. They take him to this camp, which is supposed to be about 75 miles southwest of L.A. This mercenary group is led by Colonel Hogan, 
who we find out later in the movie, Colonel Hogan was the one who trained trained Mike Danton in the way, like I mentioned earlier about his guerrilla tactics and whatnot. He recognizes the kills of whoever this person is. Cause at the time he doesn't Which realize that it's Mike hysterical Danton. to begin with. I recognize this. That looks like me at this point. He's killing people with like sticks. And I don't mean he's like taking logs and like cracking their skull open. He's taking like a stick you find on the ground. That's dried out and weathered and like literally impaling people with it. I, I do have to interrupt you. I wrote a running log of all the people that were killed in this movie and how they died, how Mike Danton kills these people. The first person is actually killed with a log. He takes a, a, a weathered was that log. The first person that Mike killed or was that yes. in the, the, okay. The first person Mike killed is Unga Bunga style with this huge log and he cracks it. And the next guy is almost equally as good. He lifts him up like a crucifix style and smashes his back under yeah, a tree. like true. a wrestling move. Yeah. There are lots of really just great, great kill scenes in this movie but mike danton if you could think kind of going back to your patrick swayze example he is like this super buff he's not buff in a way that arnold's buff but he is definitely bulky he's like army buff yes and he's got this awesome mullet with frosted tips you usually think of frosted tips as being kind of spiky hair but this is like the ends are frosted with his dark hair and i would say 70% 70% of the movie, he's running around in just these shorty, short, cut off jeans with a knife. I don't even think, I don't think they give him the knife at the beginning. I don't remember if they give him the knife. He somehow comes he across it, a knife. He gets it pretty early from one of the, um, it might be the guy that he like, Uncle Hogan's into the tree. Yeah. Okay. Well, those are came right after one after the other. He, he gets it from one of the guys that he, well, he gets several knives throughout the movie, but the first one he gets from one of the guys that he kills early on. And this is his weapon of choice. I would say of these, I was lowballing it when I was talking to you before we started. He probably kills about 60 to 70 people in this movie. And I would say about 25 to 30% are killed with a knife, like stabbed in the chest or, you know, he jumps out of a tree somewhere and gets him in the back or whatever. But if we are, if I, if I'm not totally explaining very well, this is extremely low budget filmed, I don't know, somewhere, probably a back lot, somebody's backyard, somebody's acreage in California. I was saying I don't before, even think it's really filmed in California. I, I bet it's filmed somewhere in like the Midwest and they just used a couple shots in California to like they went there for a day and got what they needed in California. Well, they filmed. So David A. Pryor is the director. His brother, Ted Pryor, is the main star. We have Troy Donahue, who is like an old 70s, maybe even earlier actor with some acclaim. We have a we have Cameron Mitchell who looks like looking at his IMDb stuff. He was he plays James his Mike Danton's wife Jamie, her dad, who was like a re, uh, retired police officer with like the most perfectly coiffed hairstyle that I've ever seen on an older man. He looks like Donna's dad on that '70s show, is what I kept thinking. It was him, but it's, it's not. Who was also on oh, with the perm? Cheers. Yeah. He, well, he doesn't have the perm, but right. I kept thinking. I'm pretty sure the copy of this I was watching was not upscaled very well because it didn't. There was often time. Maybe this is why I thought everyone looked like Patrick Swayze as I just chose to <laughs> see that. Blurry. Right. But I kept thinking, I was like, man, this guy looks a lot like that dude from that 70s show who also was on like a billion other things. But so David Pryor makes this film company called Action International Pictures or also known as Action Action Pictures and goes back to another movie that you watched that I recommended you watch was a 
and almost all the same people star in both of these movies and they're filmed pretty much at the same time or back to back. So I think Aerobicide was probably California. So I'm I'm going to guess that this movie was filmed in California too. So the whole movie is basically Mike Danton and I keep I use Mike Danton as if it's like his first name is Mike Danton, but it's actually Mike Danton. He's running from That's these how they mercenaries. refer to him through the whole movie. They yeah, he or almost Danton, always just Danton. Yeah. They almost always give his first and last name. Exposition in this movie, any kind of story information is told via the characters to each other, either, you know, uh, on the phone. Pretty minimum. By Even by that logic, it's pretty minimum. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's not really much story that you need to know. It's basically this guy, this half naked guy running from these people and hunting them down systematically one by one and picking them off. And at some point, Mike Danton's wife gets uh, she gets kidnapped and and the colonel ends up raping her. And that sends Mike Danton into I, I keep calling him Mike Danton. He sends him into a frenzy, sends his dad into a frenzy first and her dad, he, yeah. or her dad into a frenzy first. And he kills him, too. And then Mike Den goes into his like uber kill frenzy. There's just so many things about this movie. Some some things are delivered. Some moments that you would think would be a high point, like you mentioned, her dad being killed in front of her after he finds out she's been raped is so they're just so anticlimactic. Like there's a Troy Donahue plays this millionaire who's funding this whole operation and he's driving down the road and they see he sees somebody laying in the road and he gets out of the car to check on him because that's what a millionaire would do. He would actually like he would stop. He just run over the body. Right. So. He's driving. He sees this person laying in the road. He goes out. Are you okay? The guy stands up and he says, you know, it's scumbags like you never get caught. You think you're rich and you can live in your mansion. Well, I caught you or something. And he shoots him. And it's just like a scene. Yeah. There's no music. There's no orchestration. It's just. Eh. And then he gets killed pretty quickly after that because he's just snooping around the camp with a shotgun. My One of my favorite quotes <laughs> is he encounters some random guy in the in the quote unquote jungle. And he says, friend or enemy? And the guy that he's holding up says, I'm a friend. And he says, you're a liar. And then he just shoots him, like blasts him <laughs> with this shotgun. There's a couple really pretty good quotes like, Christ, we're not hunting him. He's hunting us. Before the, the lieutenant, the second in command, pulls a pistol out and shoots him and says, suck this. You know, just like the guy with the really killer quotes. jump kicks. Yeah. Yeah. Did you notice that like everyone in this movie either dies excessively fast or like agonizingly slow? There's no like normal amount of time for a death. Like there's people that get like, again, stabbed in the like shoulder with a piece of bark or something and they're dead. Like for, or something along. I'm probably exaggerating a little bit, but not that much. Two pieces. And of then bark. there's other people, right? There's other people that will straight up get like shot in the heart and they stagger around for a good 10 minutes before they finally decide to die. Yeah, there's a guy that that Danton runs to, into early in the movie who kind of gets a, a few minutes of, of movie airtime. I don't know if you'd even call it airtime, screen time. He gets a few minutes of screen time and he ends up being an ally to Danton because Danton served with this guy back in Vietnam and he saved his life or something. So this guy, I can't remember what his name is, Scooter or something. We'll just call him Scooter. He's actually, he looks actually like J Booger from uh, Revenge of the Nerds. Ah, that's that's pushing it. I don't know if I can agree with that, but he plays Jack Cooper. He looks like Booger. Cooper. Booger did. If Booger did push-ups, he would look like this. He's got the yeah. hair. Yeah, it's lighter color. I was thinking of Ogre for some reason when you said Booger, so that's why. Oh, no, no, I no. could kind of see Booger. Curtis, what's his name? Curtis Armstrong? 
I could see Curtis sure. Armstrong a little bit. But this guy comes and and he's helping him out and he gets killed near the end of the movie. And he's one of those guys. He gets shot like 10 times and he's just like having a seizure on the ground, shaking the whole time until Danton comes and holds his hand for a second. And he pulls his hand away and dies. But yeah, it's, it's well, very much people that there's several people that get like stabbed in the stomach in one way or another. And although that could kill you eventually, and it does obviously would hurt, you don't die like instantaneous from that, but they do in this movie. People get punched a couple times and they die. Yeah. Some people get hit with grenades that are smoke bombs and the, somehow the fire comes out of them. There's a lot of grenades that are thrown in this that are just puffs of smoke. Okay. I had several notes about grenades where early in the movie I said hand grenades, hand grenades don't seem to be very effective in this movie. Like five notes later, I said second hand grenade confirms shitty hand grenades. And then near the end of it, hand grenades conclusively bad. So... It's a running theme that these hand grenades, when they do explode, it's basically just like a straight up fireball for about half a second and, and then poof. a puff of smoke. Right. It's more like a smoke grenade than a hand grenade. There's a guy that gets a grenade stuffed in his pants. And when that grenade explodes, oh, yeah. that's just a puff of Isn't smoke. Like fire and, shooting and out of his pants? It's just kind of like a puff, like a, like a, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Like a smoke, like flame, a plume yeah. of flames and then a, a boot with smoke coming out of it. It's like he's a, it's a ninja bo- smoke bomb or something, but it leaves his shoes there and he never, he's, he escapes into another dimension. You know, he's not, he's not of this world anymore. Well, even like the guy right at the beginning, the like chubby dude that they're hunting to begin with, he gets blown up with a hand grenade and gets up and keeps running and then continues to fight until I don't remember how they kill him off, but he has a good another like minute of screen time while he's running around with like, all I did was fuck up his pants. He looks like he's the incredible Hulk, except not buff. Yeah. Pretty much like he's the Incredible Hulk after turning back into Bruce Banner and having like, but he had like three pizzas in the process. (laughs) I also like the tank shots, like tank rounds are like grenades because Danton's running at a certain point and they're shooting a tank, whatever, shot at him. And he just, it lands in front of him with a a puff of smoke and some sparks and Mm -hmm. he like falls over. And then he drops a grenade in the tank with the driver in the, of the tank in the tank and the lid is open. And Danton's just looking down at him and it explodes inside the tank. They show fire or something. And Danton's just staring straight down into it and nothing. He just, he's fine. There's a lot of Power Rangers S. I went towards fire and then did the like backwards somersault jump type thing. Yeah. To imply that there was some kind of force there, but it looks very much so like Power Rangers acting where it's just not very convincing at all. Occasionally you'll get an, yeah. I'm shocked I didn't hear a, a uh, was it a, yeah, a Wilhelm scream through this whole movie. I don't think I heard one anyway. I like that the, these guys are supposed to be, well, I guess they're in training. So this complaint won't be so effective, but they run around very much like their weekend warriors playing paintball. There's like no organization. They just kind of like shoot from the hip. You know, they all crouch down and they'll shoot from the hip. I would say of the hundreds of people that die in this movie. Well, Danton kills most of those people. I would say there are like five people you can count on one hand how many people are actually like using the sights of their gun to shoot and the oh, second bad guy that. is lieutenant i have it written down here swayze lieutenant thornton he carries this gun around like it's his it's his it's his dong he like holds it out in front of him it's got a oh, bayonet yeah. on it it's like you know that's not how you hold a gun right i mean i'm not an expert well i don't think i don't think they are either how'd you like the uh, helicopter explosion i like the stock footage of the helicopter flying 
I was expecting that, and I was right, that he's like shooting from the hip, Danton's on the ground shooting from the hip and blows this helicopter up. It was, and it just goes like, it just happens. Oh, yeah. It's and literally, you're, nothing. you see stock footage of a helicopter like trying to take off. And then, like you said, there it is. And it just switches to an all blackened screen with a giant fireball in the middle of it. It's the biggest explosion of the whole movie. But it it doesn't make sense from a ratio perspective to the size of the helicopter for what you're seeing on the screen. He got a it's fantastic. He must have got one of the good grenades and like strapped it to the to like did, did he have a grenade? I thought he just no. shot it. He was just shooting it with a a rifle from the ground. Yeah, on his back. This whole movie, like you know, we talk a lot about bad campy acting in horror movies, and and certainly we both have a love for that. This almost takes it to a whole new level because there's such a serious tone with how these characters are trying to play this off, but there's just nothing there to support any level of seriousness at all. It is a hundred percent like this is your uncle's militia that is trying to overthrow the government, but doing it on like a $50 budget. And they have all the equipment. They have like the, the troop transports. Just like your uncle's militia that is trying to overthrow the government, but has like a $50 budget somehow still. This ain't your daddy's militia. It's your uncle's. Yeah, exactly. The one thing I thought that was weird about this is, and I know this is an hour and a half movie, and this is kind of what I mentioned about that whole five-point scale, really kind of testing that. I found myself looking at my watch in this fairly early, like maybe a half hour, 40 minutes in, and I looked at it, I was like, fuck, there's still 45 more minutes of this movie. And it's fine. You're still entertained through this whole movie, but it sure doesn't give you a whole lot more than, you know, shirtless dude running around killing things. Oh, it's absolutely just shirtless dude running around killing things. And when they got to the part where he gets home and they've kidnapped his wife and the other woman is there waiting for him, like, hey, dickhead, here's the phone call for you. I was like, oh, this movie's almost over. And then I look at the time left in the movie and they were like, tw- 20 35 to 30 minutes left and i was like yeah what are they going to do for the last half hour of this movie so you hit it about 10 minutes later than i did when you saw that but again it's it there's so little given to you from a story perspective which i'm kind of okay with that you do find yourself fairly early on being like all right now what let's let's move this shit along obviously he's just going to kill everyone and that's going to be the end of the movie right well yeah but we have to apparently stretch it out for another 45 minutes we have to endure some other things that that go on in this movie and this honestly like this movie could probably be cut down to a 45 minute it could be a television show with commercials and they could cut some of the killing out but i you could give this movie to some kid on tiktok and let them edit it into a three minute video and you wouldn't miss that much that's true i could see this being edited (laughs) and i'm kind of my the gears are turning in my head to be like can i edit this down to three minutes but you know what? Even though I say that, I, I really enjoy it. I mean, I really, this is in my wheelhouse. I love just crappy action movies that are so ridiculous, so over the top. This totally fulfills that. You know, it goes, it kind of goes, has all my favorite actors from aerobicide in it. I mean, how could you lose? <laughs> well, and I agree with you that this is also in my wheelhouse and that it is kind of all the good kinds of bad all wrapped into one. It is thoroughly entertaining in how dumb it is. But it doesn't really, again, if you're looking for something that's going to pull you in, it doesn't really do that unless you just get pulled into like, we could shoot this in either one of our backyards for probably a quarter of the budget of what this movie was shot for. I don't even know what the budget was on this movie. I don't, I don't think it's been published. I'm sure it's some kind of tax, in some tax haven. So they, 
They can just throw money away and, oh, yeah, we made this movie. It was uh, $80 million. We're going to be a write-off. I'm trying to see if there's a budget on here now. If there was, I would be extremely surprised. Mm, doesn't look like it. Disappointing. Uh, this is basically like the trauma version of an action movie, though. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that action international pictures, if you look at the other movies that they've done, that's what these are. I mean, they're extreme low budget movies. They use the same stable of actors. Well, you have such classic titles and just looking at this director's work is Raw Justice, Mutant Species, Body Count, the movie, not the band. Let's see. Dancing. It's on. And I don't know. There's so many of these that just sound really like they're just going to end up being something we talk about in another episode here. White Fury, Rapid Fire, Jungle Assault. These are three different movies somehow. Is Rapid Fire the Brandon Lee movie? Um, is it a different Rapid Fire? It is. I don't see Brandon Lee on here. Hmm. Raw Must be justice. a different one. I mean, it looks like this dude's about on this on this poster. It looks like this dude's about to fight a battleship with an assault rifle. So, or a flamethrower, or both. I'm not sure what he has there. So, it's high quality shit for sure. Oh, it's highest quality. Ooh, man killers. Let's see what this is. Oh yeah, they're on a rampage. And it's just some blonde chick that is basically wearing the exact same outfit as Mike Dan, but she's blonde chick and stuff, <laughs> blonde guy. And it came out the year after this movie. A female CIA agent is assigned to train and lead an all-female squad to Columbia to stop the renegade agent who hired himself out to a drug cartel. Yeah, sounds great. I'm telling you, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Crummy Movie March is going to be all kinds of fun. It's going to be chef's kiss. There's going to be lots of great movies that, that you're going to love. Oh, I can't wait. You just kind of, because like I mentioned, I actually did write notes on this. I, I added, I'm going to kind of rattle off some of these that we haven't already said here. I like that the music as a whole in this movie is kind of the same thing over and over again until you get to the scene where Mike Dan has to eat worms to survive in this like 12 hour rampage. And all of a sudden the music changes to this like touching love music like romance scene types music did you he has to eat a that? mouse for christ's sake what do you want him to do it's sad he makes love to it and he's starving after 12 hours he needs more protein well that's probably true but the just the music cue for that scene that deserves some sort of award oscar golden globe razzie something i think <laughs> the thing the most important part of that scene is that he finds he digs in the grass he's starving he finds a worm it's got some dirt on it. So he spits in his hand and like strokes the worm. So he gets all the dirt off of it. He does it twice. And then he has to, it's mm -hmm. like a kid when they eat something that's kind of, they think is gross, you know, oh, I'm eating my broccoli and they put it in their mouth and they chew it a couple of times. I was kind of surprised that he doesn't like open his mouth and stick his tongue out at the camera to show you that there's a worm on his, like he's actually eating this worm. And then when the mouse runs into the picture and he's got his eyes on it, he like, spits the worm out because he's like oh i'm gonna get some real protein now it's like who would do if you were really starving <laughs> if you've been out there for 12 hours and you're actually starving because you know people that starve That's starve within like 10 hours yeah i mean well he didn't have people breakfast starve to death. he didn't he didn't have breakfast before he got abducted so we could be looking at as much as he was making his eggs yeah yeah but he's he, he like 18 hours he's put, he spits the 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 worm out so he can get that delicious mouse it looks actually okay like a hamster or something but yeah i mean for sure looks like a chicken nugget on a tampon string when it's on the th when they find it later yeah i like the random hillbilly appearance just out of fucking nowhere and 
granted they both get murdered comically for nothing we have like a little five minute like intermission where we go to deliverance for some reason and then we're right back to rambo in la basically let's see hand grenade stuff we already went over that the side chick that is the colonel's like whatever she is in this god talk about a fucking like horribly like whoever wrote this character clearly has the highest respect for women the way that she's oh yeah portrayed in this movie i was surprised that i that this movie didn't have any boobs that's right it didn't there's no nipple shots or anything might have no she's the it does seem like it would fit right in in this movie yeah and the wife are the only two women in this movie and i was really expecting this as you know i mean it's a rape scene it's not great but it's not there's nothing sexual like sexual about it nothing sexualized about it i was expecting her to have her shirt ripped or something but there's nothing not not to defend a rape scene because honestly that's something i go without in pretty much any movie but in the world of rape scenes in movies this is about as much rape as we saw in the i love you you hate me barney dinosaur documentary I'm speechless. I think I just broke Sean. Yeah. Is there, there's a scene. Are you joking? I don't remember. I'm just saying it's pretty like, it's pretty tame. There's like nothing that there's nothing that you basically, he just like gets on top of her and she says no. And that's, then they cut to him shooting her dad essentially. Yeah. I I noted that Dracula wouldn't stand a chance against uh, Mike Dan because he finds so many wooden spikes that he sharpens and uses as stakes over and over again. Basically, if there is any form of lumber, He's going to fuck you up with it. It seems like on that point, one of my favorite parts is he had, there's a guy that's kind of beating him up a little bit and he jumps on him and Mike Danton rolls and he has a spear. It's like a, it's like a dowel. That's how thin it is. Yeah. That's and the it goes through his chest about be- yeah. and goes through his no back. Fucking way. His bones are made of jello either. His bones yeah, are just made of jello. A- if a full, gr- if a child fell on a stick like that, it would break the stick, not go through the child. So if a full-grown man falls on, like, I guess Mike Dan just has that much strength that he can take this brittle piece of wood and just impale someone with it. It's like a toothpick. It's about as thick as a pencil. Do you want to go over the kills since I have them logged here? Well, we can do that in a moment. What? One last thing that I have. Oh, two other things that I have. Oh. Proactive Danton grunts throughout this movie. So scenes where he starts grunting like he's in the heat of battle before he's actually doing something. There's a lot of scenes where he'll proactively be like, and then just start shooting or stabbing or whatever the fuck he's going to do. But it's a solid. Shouldn't the grunt come while you're committing this act of whatever the fuck you're doing, not ahead of it. It's like he has to hype himself up with the grunt. I was expecting you to say the grunts would be like Tim, the tool man, Taylor's grunts or something. He'd go, and then he'd like shoot. At uh, he might as well. And the last thing I had noted on here before we go into more of a kill count for this, because why not? This does have one of my favorite things to see in cinema where you see a man remove one person's arm and then proceed to beat that person with their own arm. I was waiting for you to bring that up. You know, that's one of my favorite things in a movie. Yes. We got it here. But go ahead. Proceed with the kill count. All right. So Mike Danton equipped with only Gene cut off shorts, shorty shorts at the beginning of this movie. <laughs> He hits a guy with a log. He breaks another guy across a tree, does a backbreaker. In a group of three, he chokes out and throat rips two of them, then interrogates and puts his knife in another guy's belly. So then he does a knife to the chest, a spear to the back, another knife to the belly in the thicket of bamboo. Jumped from a tree and knifed in the chest, punching people out and ramming a guy's head into a tree before punching out a former soldier buddy. 
He drowns the next guy after clearly being visible in the water. He pops out of a pile of leaves and stabs another guy. He impales a guy with a sharp stick that goes through the guy's chest and out of his back. He must have jello bones. He pushes a rock wall on top of a group of, group of six mercenaries, slaps a woman, puts a grenade in a guy's shorts, and he turns into smoke. Tank fire causes Danton to fall, and he runs up and puts a grenade in the tank and watches it explode. Then promptly, promptly noob-tubes a helicopter. That's what it was. <laughs> he noob-tubed it. Grenades are clearly just smoke bombs, and he RPGs another couple guys after hip-firing two guys with one shot. Pops out of a pit to hip-fire six more guys. Two killed by throwing knife, and another stabbed in the chest. Knee to the chest, and knife in the back. Booby trap tripwire spears one guy in the chest, another in the neck. Another guy gets tripped up and swung into a wall of spears. I'm almost done. Do I? Am I the only one who feels like we missed a booby trap like spear or whatever to the groin in this movie? I may have missed that one. I'm not saying that we missed in in your kill count. I'm saying like it should have happened. It, it feels like the kind of movie where it should have happened. Well, the lieutenant finds one of the trip wires and he steps over it, which I was kind of expecting maybe somebody to get caught up, maybe even Dant to get caught up in it in the end. Next guy is C. Ford, and then another, and then another, and then a bazooka takes care of another four to five. And then all that's left are the colonel and the lieutenant. The lieutenant is dispatched with getting his arm cut off, as you mentioned, and, and smacked in the face with it. And then we don't know what happens to the colonel because the colonel shoots Danton's wife in, in the face, like as he's watching. And Danton lets him run after making him strip to just his shorts. Pants, I guess. Yeah. How do you feel about that ending with him? Takes his shirt off. He takes his boots off, leaves his pants on. And then just, you know, WWF, like, and that's the end. We cut the, we fade to black. Well, I mean, they have to set up a sequel 26 years later somehow. Is Have you seen the sequel? Is that what the sequel is about? I have not seen it, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I'm sure it doesn't pick off immediately right after. I'm sure it's Mike Danton getting in some kind of other mayhem. And now I kind of want to see it. Well, March is not that far away. Meh. So this might be a Meh. pleasure view. Well, we can still do that. So. I don't have much to add. Do you want to get to hot dogs on this one? I mean, what else is there to say? Do you want to go first or you want me to lead no, off? No, I'll here? let you go first. And then All I'll right. debate you because of the, the arm beating. You'll debate me because of I'm the sure arm you're beating? not going to give us a good a good rating. It might be better than you would think. So, Anything less than perfect is not acceptable. Okay, then it's <laughs> not going to be as good as you think. I would give this movie probably six hot dogs out of ten moderately ineffective hand grenades. You know, this movie's entertaining. It's it is dumb. It is a stupid like turn your brain off and just watch chaos for an hour and a half type of movie while in the middle of that hour and a half thinking, Jesus Christ, this has only been 30 minutes or whatever. It's it's absolutely fine for what it is. It's a good movie. This is a great movie. If you just have like buddies over, and you want something stupid on in the background while you're kind of shooting the shit, that type of movie. Perfect for that. But, you know, it it's not. It, where it lacks is in any type any type of story at all or creativity like that. It's pretty minimal. It's like these guys literally just watch played Contra for like an hour and said, well, we could kind of make this a movie and this is what happened. But all in all, it's worth watching. I'd watch it again. Six out of ten. All right. I have to respect that. So for me, I give this eight hot dogs out of 11 finely coiffed father-in-laws. Deadly Prey has it all. <laughs> I mean, where else can you learn the art of negotiation? Join me. No. Join me, damn it. No. Okay. 
Where else can you find office furniture that's just hanging out in a military mercenary encampment? Nowhere. It's under an hour and a half. It's got over-the-top acting. It's got hip-firing idiots and a guy getting beat with his own severed arm. I mean, really, what else could you ask for? It has it all. This is one of the best examples of a movie that you can just drink or get high with your friends or even by yourself. And you can rent it for $2 or you can buy it for $8. I don't know of a better better way to spend a few bucks than to just watch this movie just for its pure entertainment value. I feel like if you've liked any of the movies we talked about on this podcast, you'll watch this one and you'll say, that was $2 well spent. I should state that before the man's arm got cut off, it was used as a weapon against him. This was probably running at about a five. The arm chop right there gave it an extra point just on that. Oh, In the scheme of this podcast, this might very well be the dumbest movie that we've watched to date. Oh, yeah. I can't even think said. I can't even think of one that would compare to it. Terrifier. (laughs) Well, I didn't. uh, Okay. Different kind of dumb. Yes. Yeah. In the in terms of how we look at this type of movie or how you or I do, it is by far the dumbest movie we've watched, but that's not necessarily a negative. So yeah. take that for what it's worth. Yeah, this isn't uh, Shawshank Redemption. I would I wouldn't score this, you know. But for the type of movie it is, if you're looking for just a lot closer to Shaw Shaw Shiv Revenge or something like that. It's just like you said, you know, it's one of those movies that you don't have to even look at it. You could just glance at it every once in a while. Because it's it doesn't even have a... I mean, the story is so bare bones and so just, like, not important. It took, like, 25 minutes for me to figure out what the fuck was going on in this movie. And then by that point, I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter what's going on. This is just... This is what's happening. It's going on. What's going on? I don't know. But it's going on. Yeah. But, yeah, it's fun. It, I'm sure if it... I know it's not on there right now, but I'm, I got to think this probably goes through the rotation on something like Tubi on a somewhat regular basis. It seems like they're kind of shtick. Yeah, perfect movie for Tubi. I I don't know. Is it even on? Have you? Did you check? Or I did because I couldn't find it on the Dewey Podmenser Plex server that we use. At first, I thumbed through like a thousand things and somehow skipped over it. <laughs> so I had to go back. That's why I asked you. I was like, "The fuck's this movie called again?" Oh yeah, and I had to actually search it. I with a cover like this, I was like, "Well, that will stick out like a sore thumb." And I think I was just in the wrong folder. A lot of good ones. A lot of hidden anyway. gems in that. Absolutely. I'm, I'm not arguing that. So lots, lots of something. Just think for crummy movie March, maybe we can introduce you to the world of Neil Breen. I really think we need to watch Dancing. It's on. Maybe. Lots of no. surprises in store for March. It's going to be an interesting March, and I can't wait. We're not at March yet, though. Do you got anything else you want to add on this one, or are we about ready to wrap up? No, I, I just, I appreciate a good booby trap montage, and I appreciate a good bro handshake, and this movie has them both. It's pretty much when 90% of this movie, well, Booby Traps is about 85% of this movie. The other 5% is is that handshake. And then that 10% that I'm neglecting, it it's just not there. So <laughs> this is the, this is the movie the Burrow handshake was probably invented for. Was this before or after Predator? I think it's the same year. This was 87. 87. Yeah. Well, yours. So it was Predator. No, Predator was 89, wasn't it? Well, we have this immaculate, amazing. I almost wrote, pro- I don't even know what I was writing, Predator 87. Hmm. We, I, which one gave birth to the bro handshake, Predator or Deadly Prey? Give it to Deadly Prey. Predator's got enough accolades. The world will never know. Right. All right. Well, I think that's all we got on this. Sean took the helm on this one because I ran out of things to say fairly quickly. <laughs> I apologize for that. But 
in the meantime, cut someone's arm off, beat them with it, and then follow us on all kinds of social things. Anywhere that you can get on social media and find us, we are at Dweep Podmonster. Of course, we would love for you to share this episode and every episode of this podcast. Do it all at once. Rate, review, uh, anything like that helps us keep this going. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you want to hear. If there's any crummy movies you want us to watch, whether it's action, horror, comedy, porn, whatever, let us know. In the meantime, Sean, what do you got going on? Well, January is coming up at the time of this recording, so January will be Cellar Dive January for Draft Therapy. So if you find me over at youtube.drafttherapy.com, you can watch what kind of beers I talk about in my cellar dive. Things that are in my cellar or maybe in John's cellar. We'll see if I run out of things. So uh, you can also find me on the social media at Draft Therapy. Bada bam. Biggity bam. I think that's all we got this week. Again, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. And we will talk to you next week. Cheers. I'm aware. I'm kind of responsible for that. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for reminding me, Dick. Yep. <laughs>